Look, I got a testimony. I got to tell him what God did. I'm calling God the homie. He took me out of the mosh pit. I will contest the phonies. Separate demons and God's kids. I got to spread his word, so I'm going to show you who the God is. The word is my weapon. I move like a general. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Walk With Me. I'm your host, JJ. I'm so glad to have you walking with me today as we walk with Christ. I thank you for downloading and sharing this episodes, and thank you for all of the uh, visits to my sponsors that I've been seeing and I've been hearing about. Uh, the Also, we have uh, that sponsor with the Templar Chronicles 1, New Players. That book is amazing in the fact that it, it has actually uh, messages that we need in today's world and it is fiction so it's not like it's not like a documentary or something like that but uh thank you so much for visiting those sponsors thank you for visiting true bars he's a lyricist he is in his uh, he's on his journey now to finding god or actually is path to salvation because i always say that god isn't lost i and, and i'm starting to kind of develop a, a kind of a way against saying i found god because god wasn't lost we are so thank you all for uh, visiting that sponsor and exquisite creations if you have tiktok or social media um i think she does have tiktok i don't have tiktok but i have my own reasons for that we're not going to go into it on this podcast uh, thank you so much again for listening, downloading, sharing. It's, it's not about me. It's about you. And it's about God. And I just sit here behind the microphone for a couple moments every week. And we talk about this thing we call the Bible and how to apply it to every day in life. All right. So today we are going to talk about the tabernacle. The very next thing, uh, the big next big change of a relationship that Israel had with God was when God told them to build a tabernacle. Now, this tabernacle uh, was symbolic. It wasn't like we have churches today. We go and we sit down and we listen to a preacher preach and we list, sing songs and we dance and shout and we do all the things that we do in church and we dress up real nice and watch other people's shoes. None of that. This tabernacle was a symbolism of God dwelling among his people. Not necessarily, though, in his, in his people, the way we have the Holy Ghost today. It was more of like, um, like God dwelling amongst his people, the way you would say dwell among, uh, live among people who live in an HOA. For the record, JJ does not like HOAs, so don't ever... Don't ever try to get me to live in one. And somebody ever tells you that JJ lives in the HOA, you are free to call them an untruth teller <laughs> because I did, do not like HOAs. All right, but back to the story here. They, this notice when this happened. There was no tabernacle. There was no no setup in, in Egypt. There was no direct relationship between. Israel and God in Egypt because Egypt was still sin. Egypt was still the world. Egypt was still enveloped in a lot of false ideology. God will not allow that 
uh, sort of atmosphere to be around his tabernacle. So the first thing he did was, well, what he eventually did was pull his people out of that uh, scenario, out of slavery, out of Egypt, out of idol worship, out of superstition, out of all of that stuff, get them out to a place where there was nothing. And then he set up after he passed through the Red Sea and the children of Israel met the spirit of God on Mount Sinai. And we talked about some of the laws last week. And and trust me, we will talk more about the laws when we get into Deuteronomy and Leviticus and so forth and so on. But now is where God said, let's build a tabernacle. And I always found it interesting that he said, let's build a tabernacle now and not necessarily after Israel had adopted the, uh, the laws of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He gave Moses the commandments. The first time he did it, the children of Israel just kind of messed that up. Moses dropped it and was upset. And then Moses had to go back and have God rewrite it. And and now he says, okay, I want to live among my people. I want my spirit, my people to be around me. Okay. So God told Moses exactly the way he wanted it done. And there was reasons why he told Moses exactly the way he wanted it done. And this is something else, a pattern that we have to see within the word of God. Moses didn't just get to do it the way he felt like it. Just like Noah couldn't build the ark the way he felt like it. God gave specific instructions and reasons for specific instructions in building the tabernacle, in building the ark, in in building your life and my life. God gives specific instructions. We don't get to just do it any kind of willy-nilly. We don't get to do it, uh, as the Bible says, as was right in our own eyes, because we can tell that there's a difference between this set of order that God is creating or recreating and the disorder that we create when we do things, quote unquote, in our own eyes. We do what's right in our own eyes. So this presence of the tabernacle, even though, again, it's dwelling amongst the people, is is dwelling amongst the nation, but not inside the individual. This is an external relationship, like an external relationship like you would have with your mother or your your son or your brothers, your sisters, even people who are very close to their pets. These are just that same external relationship that God is now reestablishing with the children of Israel. First thing that God said, and God really was very specific again about how we built it, is that there was only one entrance into the tabernacle. There wasn't a fire escape. There wasn't a back entrance. There wasn't a receivable entrance. There was one entrance. And the reason why there was only one entrance, because God is telling us in a application sort of way that there is only one way to salvation. Today, we have Jesus Christ. Back then, the way you were saved, you went through that one entrance. And then there was a place you couldn't go. 
Now, no, no, like I said, there's no windows. No, it, it just it. There was no way you could actually look inside and see what salvation looked like. We couldn't see that because we still had that separation. We still had um, some reconstruction of our relationship with God to do. And that's why God had it built this way. There's a big, huge veil. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's take it step by step. In, in John 10 and 9, uh, Jesus said, I am the door. But if, um, if any man wants in, if he shall be saved, he shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, I just kind of phrase, paraphrase that. The reason why I paraphrase that is because we know we have that rule. Read the first uh, verse above and verse below, preferably the whole chapter. Context is important. In verse Corinthians 3.16, it says... Know you not you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now that is the internal relationship, the internal dwelling, the personal dwelling, the microchasm dwelling of what the tabernacle represented in the spirit, in the uh, the house of Israel, the, the country of Israel. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, what agreement had the temple of God with idols? Remember I just said, the reason why God didn't do have him build a tabernacle in Egypt was because Egypt was full of idols. They had a God worshiping everything. This God worshiped the sun. This God worshiped the moon. And this God worshiped the stars. And this God was for the firstborn. And this God was for fertility. And this you had so many different idols. God is not going to be among that. And, you know, now here's an aside. We have to be very careful in today's Christianity because we've allowed so much of that idol worship to come back in. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about numerology and things of that nature, not really realizing that this is sort of more of a pagan relationship or pagan religions that have crept back into Christianity. But that's an aside. And again, I don't want to get off into the leaves. We have a lot to cover today. Um, reading on. But you are the temple of the living God. And God that said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, do you take that word there and you substitute it for his? I, and you substitute that word for her. And yes, don't don't get me started. It's his and her. That's it. Okay, got it. So, by that it means if God is going to dwell in him or dwell in me, he's my God. He's my God. I don't get to change who God is. This same God, this big God, this spirit of God, this God that created the heavens, the earth, and the universe, and and, and opened the Red Sea and and healed uh, blind eyes and made people walk. And this all this God that's so powerful, and also the God that, that pronounced terrible judgments can live inside me. And I am His people. I am His person. I am His guy. And you can be His guy. Or his gal, or his pee person. I'm not any special. 
or I'm not special or 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 anything like that from any one of you. We are all equal in the sight of God. Remember, God has no respect of persons. So this is not just a a promise for, for people who are called to preach or people who are called to teach or people who are who are doing drugs. This is for everybody. In Romans 8 and 9, now we're going to talk about 8 and 9 a lot later on, but Romans 8 and 9. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit, it's so that the spirit of God dwells in me again. There is no such thing as saved by eternity. Because that you see right there it says if. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And of Christ being you, the body is dead because of sin. The body is dead because of sin. Your flesh has no power over you. Again, I feel like I'm getting off track, but we're still talking about the tabernacle of God. But the spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if, and that's here we go again, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, be that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. It's always an if-then statement. That's one thing I learned in law school. If-then statements. Very powerful. It, it will always be a then statement. Because if the first parameter or if the first uh, quality or if the first situation or if this exists, then this other thing must exist. It comes from math. And in, in we call it logical math. If then statements. If two equals x, then x plus two equals four. So you figure out what x is. You see what I'm saying? So it's 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 these things always go hand in hand. If the spirit of God dwell in you, then you are the tabernacle. Now let me stop right there because that doesn't mean we don't have to go to church. Because the Bible says. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But this is symbolism when we're talking about what it does for you, for you spiritually and for your body and, and for your salvation. Now, going back to the tabernacle, the priests approached the tabernacle first by the brazen altar, and there was a sacrifice to be made there. There's sacrifices and there's different levels to getting into the temple, to get into the holiest of holies, get into the tabernacle. There's different different stops you have to make for the priest. And again, you can still see the separation between the common Israelite, the common child of Israelite, and um, the people who were traveling with them, and God, because the priest was the go-between. I'll say that again. The priest was the go-between. The priest was the go-between. And we will talk about who the high priest is, who was the go-between between man and God. There's so many people. You know, one of the biggest revelations to me was that the Old Testament and the New Testament was not two separate Bibles. I know that, that that sort of sounds weird and it sounds basic, but that was a huge revelation to me. And you know, God revealed it to me. 
the Old Testament in a lot of different ways, especially when we're talking about God's contract with man or basically God's contract with just Israel is symbolic of what God's contract is with anybody else who will receive him today. That's what the New Testament is. When we talk about our last will and testament, we're not writing about these and those. We're talking about what our will is for the things that we're leaving behind. Okay? So this New Testament, this new will, this new uh, agreement that God has with man is a building upon or a, a closure of the Old Testament. And we're not getting rid of the Old Testament. The only thing we're doing is 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 bringing us closer to what God had in, already intended for us to have. That closer personal relationship with God the way he had with Adam. Walking with him in the cool of the day in the garden. That sort of personal relationship that Adam and Eve messed up by allowing sin into their lives. Now, that brazen altar is a symbol of penance. In Luke 13 and 3, sort of mentions it. I tell you, except you repent, you shall off like wise perish. Hebrews 9 and 2, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no relig- no remission of sins. That brazen altar, there was a sacrifice made. That's when you first go into the temple, to the tabernacle. I keep saying temple. But when you first go into the tabernacle, you are literally doing a sacrifice right there. When you first walk in the door, there's a sacrifice. And there has to be a shedding of blood. This altar teaches us that not one person can get into heaven except by the blood of Jesus Christ because that Calvary was that brazen altar. Now, when Jesus was was being the, uh, was standing in the altar of sacrifice for us, he basically eliminated that need for the brazen altar. Like, you don't have to have a brazen altar in your life. Like, you don't have to go and, and kill a goat just to kneel down and pray anymore. Jesus didn't destroy that. He merely fulfilled it. Because it was this blood of repentance that Jesus was eliminating. Well, I keep saying eliminating. Yeah, this is this is the, the sacrifice that he was fulfilling. So now we wouldn't have to have a goat in the back. So when we sin, we have to come in here and sacrifice it to pray. Right after that, and uh, when, when you pass that brazen altar, you had the labor of water. What do you think that labor of water represented? That was cleansing of sin. After you did the sacrifice, you got to go and cleanse. You got to get the blood off of you. That cleansing uh, is the form of uh, the water baptism. That is where the, ID, the, the, the seed of water baptism was placed course we had it when Moses brought the children through the uh, Red Sea but no one got wet in the Red Sea this is now application of the lesson we learned from that moment 
the, that washing of water uh, was a symbolism of remission of sin and the cleansing that we have afterwards. Uh, think of Exodus 30. Exodus 30 and 21. So they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statue forever to them, and even to them, to his seed throughout their generations. You just repented, but you still had the blood of the repentance on you. Now, the, the water baptism remitted that blood from your hand, and now you were clean. Does that make sense? And the same way we do the spiritual water baptism and repentance, this is the spiritual cleansing. Now, granted, after you've repented, you've done a repentance of your sins, you've been water baptized, you don't have to uh, get water baptized every time you mess up and you sin. Because you're not supposed to be sinning, but just in case you do, you, you don't have to get baptized every time. You just go back and repent it. Repent now, and the previous water baptism will cover you. But now, that's the blood of Jesus rather than the blood of a pigeon, the blood of a goat. You know, I hope this makes sense. And, and in the New Testament, Peter said, Repent, be baptized to every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the brazen altar and the laver of water. And why? For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we're going to talk about where the Holy Ghost is in the tabernacle. In John 1 and 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ and his Son cleanses us from all sin. So again, you have the raisin altar, with the blood there, you do the sacrifice for the sin, then you clean off the blood from the sacrifice and the sin in the labor of water. And when we're baptized, this was when God washes away that sin. The same way when we go into the labor of water, the water washes the blood and the remaining sin away from us. And it makes the high priest or the priest clean. You have to do that. That's that standard. In uh, Acts 22 and 16, now it doesn't have to necessarily be in this order today. I know Peter said in a certain order, but 22 and 16 says sometimes you may get the Holy Ghost first. It doesn't mean that the other two steps are not necessary. 22 16, and now why tarry is that? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In uh, Acts chapter 19 and 2. Um, they had, they, were, they saw that uh, that there were people who had not even known that there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost. They had repented. They didn't know. They got baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost. Peter, there was another situation where Peter happened upon some people who were already speaking in tongues. And, and Peter said, but we heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. And they had to go get baptized. So, and they got baptized in Jesus' name, not in titles. Nowhere did anyone get baptized in titles. 
I know the Bible sort of alludes to them if they got baptized in the name of the Lord, but you got to know who the name of the Lord is. The name of the Lord is not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The name of the Lord is Jesus Christ. And with that being said, we're going to talk more about the labor of water um, next week. Uh, and we're going to go into the holiest of holies and why that is such a marvelous place and can only be entered by the high priest and then only once a year. Thank you so much for taking your time and spending with us today, walking in the Lord, walking in the Bible here. Again, my name is JJ. I'm your host for this podcast, Walk With Me. Like it, share it, download it, whatever options you have on the platform that you are listening to us on. I appreciate it. I really do. Tell it to someone else. You may actually be helping them as well. Check on them. Make sure you give them your love. Give them our love. Because we are a family of walkers here, and I really do appreciate it. Thank God for each and every one of you. I love you all. God bless you. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason. I got to spread a little words of a genius. Everybody needs to know who the leader. See, I do it for Jesus. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason.